Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to another episode of the Chase and Tales Outdoor Podcast brought to you by Wild Edge Inc. If this is your first time joining us, my name's Walt and I'm the host. And on this platform, we focus on the chase. The things that go into it, the story, the outcome, everything about it is important to us. And, and we just try and share stories and awesome experiences from all over the world. Last week, we spoke to the working class bow hunters themselves. Kurt, Steve, Eric wasn't able to join us, but that's okay. And we had a good time just kind of relaxing, less formal setting. We talked about a variety of things. I encourage y'all to, to go back and listen to that one if you missed it. And this week, we're going to have my little brother on, and we're going to be talking about trout fishing up in North Georgia. Now, I know that for a lot of people, the fall symbolizes mainly honey, and that's kind of my biggest pastime. But if you live somewhere where there's fly fishing, especially for trout, brook, rainbow, the fall is really when things start to pick back up for you. And since my brother was in town and that that season is coming up, I figured it was a good time to have him on the show and maybe give some tips and pointers uh, about fly fishing in general. So that's what we do on this episode. It's a little more uh, technical savvy, and that's something that people have asked for. So we're mixing it up again this week. I'm going to keep this short so that y'all can get right to the podcast. But before we do, I just want to say thanks to Wild Edge Inc. For, for being the title sponsor of this podcast. Deer season is right around the corner, guys. And if you were looking for the simplest, most maneuverable climbing system for your deer season, then the Wild Edge Stepladder is the system for you. I use it. I love it. I use a set of eight, and it gets me as high as I need to go. And really, I only need about six steps. So if you're interested in the Wild Edge Stepladder, go to www.wildedgeinc.com. And if you decide to purchase any set of sticks, use the promo code ChasingTales10. That's ChasingTales, T A. 
L-E-S-1-0 at checkout and save yourself $15. But before I throw you all over to the show, I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to one of our reviewers. And that and this week's review is Eric19810. He says, one of the best podcasts on iTunes, exclamation point. Dude, thank you for leaving that five-star view, review. If I haven't already, send me your address. Let me know that was you. And I will be sure that uh, this weekend, actually... I'll be making some new decals, and I can send those out your way. So with that, let's get to the show. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Y'all be good. Well, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. I have got a guest that I have wanted to have on for quite some time, maybe since the inception, and the reasons are numerous. Um, This gentleman, I have had the pleasure of seeing him grow up. Of course, I've had a little bit of a... uh, unfair advantage in that being that he's my little brother, but I have been wanting him to come on and talk fishing, specifically fly fishing up in North Georgia for quite some time, and I finally coerced him into doing so, and it took me kind of cornering him on a recent trip down to my house. This week's episode is Duncan Lee. What's up, little bro? Not much. Glad to be here. So you come from North Georgia. Yes. You moved up to the place that I wanted to be my entire childhood, and then when I went off to college, mom and dad said, best thing we can do, move to North Georgia. Yeah, it sucks, doesn't it? It does, a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) It does suck. So, which would you prefer? We lived in Southeast Georgia, now you live in the mountains. Which would you prefer having lived in? Well, if we're going by purely fishing. Well, that's what you live and die by, so. If we're going by purely fishing, it, it would be hard to say North Georgia. Because North Georgia's got trout, and I live and breathe trout, but that's all it has. So it'd be hard to say Southeast Georgia. No, no, Southeast Georgia has got so many more opportunities for fishing. Maybe it wouldn't be my personal favorite trout, Okay, but I can hit saltwater. I can do some offshore, not great, but some mm-hmm. offshore. I can do largemouth bass. I can do bluegill. I can hit more species of fish and more variety okay. of fishing than I could up there. More types of fishing, I get you. But you'd rather be in North Georgia because of the trout? Yeah, I think I'd have to be. Gotcha. Yeah, the trout, they... There's nothing like trout. Yeah, you're kind of ate up with it. I am too. It, it's it's funny because in the in the family, there's only two boys. You and I were separated by eleven, 11 years. years. Yeah. yeah, and you and I could not be more polar opposites. Our dad was such a generalist. He liked to do everything, and he probably didn't do any of it well. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but he did a lot of different things, and he and he was good at yeah. a lot of it. You know, and. It's funny because you and I, it's almost like we got one. You made this I got commenter. one gene, you got the other. Yeah. Like you got the fish, uh, the hunting itch. You can't get any. Can you can't get enough of it? Right. Yeah. I can have plenty with one time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just not a draw for me. No. I don't like being hot and uncomfortable and stuck. Meanwhile, in one spot. meanwhile, I don't much care to fish, and you are ate up about. It. I mean, we literally got into it just a few minutes ago about continuing to talk about you know fishing for like the last three hours, you know, and so you know we but. It's just our passions. I could probably talk your ear off about bow hunting specifically, you know? So we're both passionate about it. But there's one thing that we have in common that uh, I get drawn a little more. A lot more. Towards, a lot more towards, actually. And that is fly fishing, specifically fly fishing for trout in fresh water. Um, before I say why I enjoy tr- trout fishing, why do you enjoy. <clears throat> trout fishing as a whole i know you're just now really getting hard into fly fishing but you've always enjoyed trout fishing why so if you're fishing anywhere below the mountains you're hot there's bugs in your face right you are in the sun 
and you're hooking into fish that are either biting or they're not biting. Mm-hmm. You don't get a medium day no. getting bass. You don't get a medium day after redfish. It's a struggle, and you're forcing yourself to be there until you hook up. Right. Trout fishing, you are in a scenic area that is surrounded by hemlock trees and green flowing water. Trout are just teeming because they're stocked up in North Georgia, so there's never a day you don't see trout. Sure. There's plenty of days you don't hook into trout, but there's never a day you don't <laughs> see trout. Yeah. And it's hard to be uncomfortable. You're in 75-degree water on a hot summer day and 60s and a fall day. Mm-hmm. You're never too cold. You're never too hot. And you're always moving and enjoying where you're at. Yeah, and, and I think it's a build on the never too hot, never too cold. I think the importance there, the only part you may have let, left out is you're you're typically fishing in these ravines, right? These, mm-hmm. these, these mountain creeks where you've only got like from 11 to 2 direct sun. Yeah. And then you've got that cold rushing water running off you. I fish most times in like a long sleeve shirt and shorts, like right, you know, with my Tevas. And it's nice because you're ne- you're working, you're stumbling, you're bumbling. Sometimes you fall in the water. So, you know, <laughs> a lot of times if you're me, but it's one of those things where you, you never feel physically overly exerted. Whereas in the South, especially Georgia, it's very easy, like you said, just to be out there going, I just want to catch five fish for dinner and I've got to do it right before when you're trout fishing. It's like, God, we're running out of time, right? We're running out of a limit. Yeah. Like when you get your seven fish, you're almost heartbroken. I can't tell right. you how many times I've been going through these campgrounds. Like who wants eight trout? <laughs> who yeah. can I give fish to? Yeah. And it's almost a struggle because everybody's limited out. Mm-hmm. North Georgia on a good weekend has got some of the best fishing in the state, in my opinion. Yeah. It's never uncomfortable. Right. You, the only time you're ever frustrated is when you're hooked into a tree more than a fish. Well, and up where, yeah, and it happens <laughs> a lot. So up where you're at, you are in a really unique place because you get to fish for brown rainbow trout, brook trout. They're, they're mm-hmm. few and far between, but they're there. And then you have some real deep cold water reservoirs where you can catch uh, smallmouth bass. Yep. Um, and walleye, yes or no? I can't remember. I, I know think, Blue Ridge got them, but I don't know if I, anywhere else yeah, has them. Yeah, I think Blue Ridge does have walleye. I don't think they have very many, but it's a really odd part of Georgia because you're just like on the cusp of cold weather fishing mm-hmm. in the mountains. Deep cold weather you fishing. You left out Striper. I did leave out Striper. You're right. You got Striped Bass. Right. You have, um, there's another type of bass. What is it? Oh, you have the, the, the striped bass and then the white bass? Is that what it is? We have hybrids, too. Yep. Plus, we are just south enough to be in the largemouth band. So, yes. you can. it's one of the only places I know of you can go catch smallmouth, largemouth, walleye, and striped bass in the same lake. Right. And shoal bass. And shoal bass, yes. Yep. There's shoal bass up yep. there, too. So, it's, it's also kind of unique in that all of your river beds... Are yes, there are silty parts, but it's a lot of it's rock, right? Very much. It's rock. not a whole lot of vegetation in these places, and it depends on the river. It it does, but it, if you put that river down in South Georgia, right, that much water, you're still not going to have rock. No, no, right, and that's what I'm saying is you have this real unique, <clears throat> you you have this uh, TV style fishing place. You know when you when you watch the Outdoor Channel, you don't see them in the Satilla River. I like to fish the Satilla River, <laughs> right? I get it. I'm not hating on fishing the Satilla River. What it's not I'm, scenic. It's not. It's, it's, it, it's is, gritty, it is. It is, but it's not with the scenic that that you see on TV and you read about in books and you internalize as a destination location. It is the dirty South. It is. It is the nitty gritty. And unless you were born, raised, and birthed right. by the dirty South, you will never love the dirty South. Correct. You're right. You, you can't. It, it's it's disgusting. It's hot. It's muggy. It's the not fun. The water's dirty. But you love it because right. you were born in Absolutely. those muddy waters. Absolutely. But 
nobody wants to go from New York and fly to the Satilla River. People, plenty of people would love to fly to see the Ocoee mm-hmm. or the Tacoa. Right. Or even fly out west. Right. There's just nothing scenic about South right. Georgia in that sense. So you have all these elite fishes that are up there. Is that the right word? No, fish is, is only in um, uh, England. Fish is plural here. Fish, fish is plural here. Okay, so you have all these elite fishes, these highly sought-out fishes. Fish. fish um, <laughs> like, your, like your stripers, your trout, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And my question is, why trout for you? Why trout? Mm-hmm. Do you have a bass boat? <laughs> I do not. Do you have $30,000 to get a rig set up? I do not. Then you're going to catch a trout in North Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> Elaborate. It's cheap to get into, is what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, you can take a pontoon boat out on Blue Ridge and troll all day and not hook into anything. Right. You cannot learn these lakes easily, and you will be struggling every day to hook into anything. I've gone out there with kayaks and canoes and caught fish, but never anything to ride home. I've gone to Cooper's Creek, Georgia, the WMA, and I've caught fish that not only the quantity, Blue, Blue Ridge, and Notley, and Lanier out of the water, they were just easier and more fun to catch. They were just And for everyone who hears that background noise, I apologize. Uh, When families get together, there tends to be some noise, and we've (laughs) tucked ourselves out here (laughs) in the corner of that. But you can hear my wife and my my mother uh, in the background, obviously animated about something. Hopefully, we don't hear gunshots here in a second. Yes. um, It's a possibility. You you were saying that you go to the WMA. From walking distance from my house, I can go to a river that is the size, uh, the width of your average living room. Mm -hmm. It's nothing special, nothing deep, but it's just beautiful in a way. It's got this very solemn feel to it. When you get out in this river, Mm -hmm. you can be 50 feet from the next fisherman and feel more alone than you've ever felt in the rest of your life. You can feel more concentrated on you and the fish. It is a direct line from you to the fish you are wading in the same water you are breathing the same air to speak so to speak but it's a very um attached fishing you are constantly watching where the fish is moving you're constantly watching to where there could be a fish if you are spinner fishing you are constantly fighting to find a deep enough hole that you're lured on hook up on a rock mm-hmm. if you're fly fishing you're constantly watching the water trying to get a good sure. drift you are constantly fighting that fish constantly uh creating an intimate bond between you and the fish mm-hmm. not other fishing, you're you're in a boat, and you're you're above the fish almost, and uh, or you're bank fishing, and you're detached from the fish. This is the only type of fishing I know that you are, so to speak, on the level with mm-hmm. the fish. You're in the element with yeah. the fish. Yeah, you're struggling on the same powerful water and the same slippery rocks that fish is bed up to. Right. I th- I think there's a there's a uh, a trend that I've noticed with myself, and I think other people also uh, are that way. That there are not that, and I'm just gonna say this. There. are no, no style of hunting or fishing is above any other one style of hunting and fishing. Okay, I'm not going to say that. What I am going to say is that some methods of uh, immersing yourself in the outdoors for pursuit of, an, of a game is a little more involved, right? It's a little more immersive. It's a little more um, – it requires you to be more plugged in, i.e. You can you can put uh, bird seed out in your yard and shoot a squirrel, or you can go climb a mountain and find an elk. The, the first is illegal. Well, yeah, but people do it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're being enough. logical here. There's two different yeah. types of hunting here. It doesn't yeah, matter if it's legal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. You can put corn out and shoot a deer over it, right? Yeah. Not have to have thought about its movements or anything like that. But uh, if you go after chasing elk, right, with a bow, 
it's more involved. It's more plugged in. You're interacting yes. with that animal. Uh, the same thing with turkeys, right? You have to interact with that animal. You don't have to know how that animal wants to live its life. And I feel like brim fishing, which is a blast. I do a lot of it. And fishing for trout are two different levels. Yes, you can fish the easy way for trout. You can put corn on the end, but that's not the style you're going but for. But you're not going to catch anything. You could. We, we've caught fish before. You can use salmon eggs. My point is there are easier <laughs> ways to pursue every type of game. Right. Yes. And the way that you you're choosing. Worms. Right. The way that you're choosing is purposefully more difficult. You're putting yourself on the level. Right. You're yeah. giving. It's it's uh, like you say so you choose archery over um, hunting with uh, firearms. But, right. Because it puts you on that level. You enjoy the immersion. It's the same as using a split shot and a number 10 hook with a worm on right. it. Opposed to going out there, tying your own fly, right. struggling through the process of learning just how to tie a fly. Right. Just so you can sit it there and drift it and realize you tied one wing on wrong and now it's floating lopsided, not even a fish will look at it. Right. So it, it's struggling, it's painful, it's hot, it's sweaty, but it's so much less hot and sweaty than any other fishing. <laughs> and yeah. it's so much more enjoyable once you actually hook up. Right. It's uh it's an amazing amazing sport to get your tight line on. So we we talk about this progression that that you are in. You're taking trout fishing from uh the most simplest way that we have done to date is we've gone after uh trout with spoons and mm-hmm. ultralight rods, which is an absolute blast. It's, it's super stupid fun. It's stupid fun. It's very easy. Uh, anybody who goes out and buys a, a twenty dollar license and a thirty dollar ultralight rod wheel combo and like what a ten dollars worth of spinners you could do can it go one. out there one spinner yeah, sure but you're I'm not just gonna saying, lose a line <laughs> yeah I mean realistically you should have more than one but you go out there with spinners and you're catching fish like that you know um, and you've done a lot of that and I think you're now moving in the progression of going to a fly fishing situation you've kind of already touched on this, but why fly fishing? What do you enjoy about it? Um, I enjoy the challenge. I enjoy the challenge. I I enjoy sitting there and learning. Like, half of it is not even the fact I'm doing a different type of fishing. It's not because I'm fishing differently. It's because I'm learning a new fishing. I've got spin fishing down. You take me to wherever I show you the eight spots, you're going to mm-hmm. catch a, sp- a fish on a spinner. Yeah. You take me out with a dry fly, I, I might know 30% of what I need to know. And every time I go out there, I'm gaining a little bit more. And that is so much more enjoyable than repeating the same thing you've done over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's like fishing for bluegill with bobber and a worm. Everybody loves going back to that, mm-hmm. but you know what the extent of that is. You can raise your bobber, lower your bobber, bigger hook, more worm, whatever you want to do. There's only so many options you can learn from it, and after a while, you've learned them. Mm-hmm. So you move on to catching bass with a uh, spinner. All the other different progressions, and I've gotten to the point where I want to be not only challenging myself to learn with flies, but hitting new opportunity, new opportunities I couldn't hit with a spinner. I want to be hitting more drift. I want to be hitting more rocky and rapid areas. I want to be hitting more things like the uh, tailwater of the Tacoa. Mm-hmm. So I'm ready to move on and where not only uh, how I'm fishing, but the locations of where I'm fishing. Sure. Well, and that makes total sense. You couldn't take the the ultralight gear to the heavy water that we'd we'd fish. I mean, it, in the the down you, below the dam. I mean, that'd be. You could. The issue would be casting. You can't make. Yeah. You can't make a two hundred yard cast with an ultralight reel. Well, and you wouldn't be able to fight. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to fight a, a two pound trout on an ultralight reel with that much water moving downrange. I mean, it, it, you wouldn't be able to turn them. You want to put money on that? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, so, so let's talk about this. North George is kind of a unique critter, right? And that uh, you, you you brought this up earlier. It doesn't house many native species of trout 
brooks are brook trout are the only native species of trout there. So elaborate on the stocking program that happens in North Georgia and then having done so tie it into why people should take advantage of the stocking program. So out west they have a natural hatchery. They don't they don't stock at all. Everything is on a uh, wild trout program. In Georgia and I believe North Carolina they cannot sustain it because of a calcium deficiency. And some people have said they've always had a calcium deficiency. Other people say it was due to mining and pollution. But regardless, in Georgia, they never have rivers shut down. You almost continually never have to worry about diseases or anything. We always have trout in the water as long as the trout hatchery is healthy. So opposed to other natural rivers and creeks that the population can increase and decrease over years Mm -hmm. we have a steady level of trout no matter what no matter what disease is going through the hatchery we always have those adult trout to be put in now 10 years later that might be different but for now every year you go to a uh, a river in north georgia you're always going to be able to catch trout in the same holes you've caught trout so it's very um i guess reliable in the sense that it's always going to act the same way you're never going to have a uh, major drop in a river Mm -hmm. Well, and to some extent, it's a great way to get kids involved in fishing and a different style of fishing because most of these trout, when they're young, are relatively stupid. Very. I mean, let's just call it for what it is. They're pretty stupid. They're stock-tanked fish. Alpo-fed fish. Alpo-fed fish, (laughs) exactly. So uh, in their early stages, they're very stupid, so they're easy to catch. Um, They're relatively large. What do you think they are, six to nine inches long? Six to nine inches, Yeah. yeah. And the the state does a great job of hiring out these hatcheries. Well, not just hiring out the hatcheries, but also distributing the fish pretty well evenly. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of places you can go, and you can subscribe to the the hatchery on Facebook. What's the name of the hatchery? Do you know? Um, mine is Rock Creek. Rock Creek Hatchery is the one near him. And if you subscribe to them on Facebook, they tell you we dumped this many fish at this location, so you can go up there and fish. It's fed on a stamp <coughs> system. So in the state of Georgia, you have to buy a $5 stamp as a trout stamp, mm-hmm. and then that money goes towards this trout restocking program. And I, I really think it's a it's a cool way uh, to show that we're utilizing a resource. I mean, realistically speaking, the only people who would fish those those rivers would be people looking for brook trout, mm-hmm. and those are your diehard people very because they're so. not very big trout. They're not very fight. They don't fight hard. No. They're just incredibly hard to get to. Yes, and um, a lot of people who want to go after those blue line. They mm-hmm. do a lot of blue lining. Um, you want to tell everybody what blue line is? Blue lining is where you go on a map and you almost have to imagine a blue line. And then you hike to said blue line to be disappointed by not catching fish. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you go and fish these incredibly small, incredibly incredibly small creeks. And you're, and you're, you're, you're stalking up creek and you're like pitching the lure over the other side and hoping he doesn't see you. While you're in camouflage. And I've known people who will bear mm-hmm. crawl up to small pools yep. and move so slow you can hardly see them moving and it takes them 30 minutes to drop a fly in one little pool. Yep. Yep. In pursuit of these like what six inch long fish aren't the biggest? If you are hitting a massive yeah. brook trout you're getting into an 8 to 15 inch trout. Wow. But rainbows typically out eat them. So out in, eat them? Yeah. In Georgia ah. you have to be find a blue line where they can only handle about mm-hmm. four to six inches. Gotcha. So you, you, that that's blue line. That'd be the only native trout there. But instead, uh, fishermen pay this five dollar fee, mm-hmm. and that goes towards restoring, applying, however you want to look at it, a native trout population, a, a trout population there to be utilized in these resources. So that gets people out on these WMAs. That gets kids involved. It's a really great conservation effort. I go to a K through twelve school, right? And when there was farming in my school, it had two hundred kids in it. 
farming is left in the last 10 years in my uh, small community, and I now have 52 kids in my school. Wow. Yeah. So the major drop on this community has been huge. People are leaving. They're not coming back. And the only thing holding some of us here is vacations and tourism. Sure. And trout is our only draw other than hiking and uh, mountain biking. We don't have ATV trails for the most part. We don't have much to do except hiking and fishing. So fishing is a big part of it. Fishing is massive. I think, uh, don't quote me on this, but I think Georgia made some astronomical number of just off trout stamps this year. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I can't remember what the exact number was, but it was a substantial number to think of right. how many people actually bought well, trout stamps. And I think I think how much the state of Georgia made off of it just off of tramps, trout, tramp stamps. <laughs> trout stamps is... Government-funded tramp stamps. Get yours now. <laughs> I think that's one great way of looking at it, but I think you need to look at, not you specifically, but I think people need to look at also the amount of people who house people rent out Airbnbs and rent their vacation homes for these people. The amount of people who sell tackle and worms and, and, and fly fishing gear. The fly fishing company up in Blue Ridge. That wouldn't even be a thing no. if these trout weren't put in the water. Um, my my uh, shop class at school recently built a cricket box for the gas station down the road just so they had a uh, usable box for the last one it broke to sell crickets to fishermen. Wow. Yeah. So even it, it trickles back even to my school getting um, funding to buy lumber we have an excuse now to build something buy the materials and teach somebody to teach somebody into carpentry that's awesome yeah it really is and it's something we need so you give them a skill yeah so so fishing now has a woodwork a world working skill yes yeah so it's an awesome thing i think people need to realize that this probably isn't a unique occurrence no you know there's probably a lot of other places where um outdoor recreation specifically hunting and fishing probably stimulates very isolated economies but what last thing about the trout hatcheries is a lot of people don't realize if you call your local trout hatchery at least in georgia and you tell them i've got this river in my front yard it's a creek i've uh been working on it put some trees on the tree on the uh, creek bank so it's not too hot they'll come out there and test your water and if it's if it's um trout survivable i guess would be a way to say it yeah they put as many trout in there as you want they they don't charge you if i could prove that my creek could hold trout they would bring as many trout as that uh, creek could hold and put it in there for free just because it stimulates economy that much wow means i go out and i buy a trout stamp and i give them five dollars and i go buy lures and a portion of that tax on um, trout lures i think goes to trout too Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a uh, a large funding just by them putting trout in your creek for sure. you to come get that for them to get it. Sure. Yeah. So there's excise taxes. The yeah. excise taxes are what you're talking about that come back to the state. The more fishing licenses that the state of Georgia sells, the more federal funding from uh, there's two there are two big um, bills. There's the Pittman Robertson tax, right, which uh, is a ta- excise tax on hunting shooting gear. Generally speaking, I'm just boiling this down. And then there's the Dingle Johnson Act. And the Dingle Johnson is more fishing-oriented. I know, that's funny. But um, Dingle Johnson Johnson is like on marine-grade gas and fishing supplies and stuff like that. So you have these two massive pools of money and fishing licenses and hunting license sales is how those states get the money. The state of Georgia posted the other day that said for every $5 that's spent in the state of Georgia on licenses, they get $50 in funding from the federal state, from the federal agency. Think about that. So... Have you ever considered that Dingle Johnson might have been behind, might have been behind the uh, government-funded tramp stamps? <laughs> <laughs> might be. <laughs> this crude humor brought to you by Small Lee. No, but um, you're right, man. It has it has massive effects that I think people just don't realize. So let's let's get off of that topic. We've elaborated on that, and dinner is not far off. We're going to need to have dinner here shortly. So let's discuss. Um, you're getting into fly fishing. 
Your graduation trip currently is a fly fishing trip out to Montana. Yep. You want to become a guide. Very badly. What's your pipe dream for guiding? I want a nice arrow stream trailer with a couple of good hunting dogs that I can just have for show. <laughs> <laughs> and I want a nice drift boat, and I would like a nice clientele to have to drift down the uh, Montana every year, just enough to cover my expenses. Down the Madison? And, yeah, down the Ma- what I say? Montana. Uh, yeah, down the Madison, just, just enough to cover my nice Winston fly rod I've always wanted. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's the current plan. Mom said if you finish the last two years of school with straight A's. We're all, we're all going to try and fly into Spokane, Washington. Which means I need more work because i got to bribe a lot of teachers. <laughs> <laughs> apples, man. Apples. Yeah. Uh, bring your teachers apples. but That's for Dr. Walter. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to get your get at some point, go to school, and then you want to move out to Montana. I think that's awesome. You've started a little Instagram page. Actually, you know, we're not going to touch on that yet. We'll close out with that. So let's do this. For people who are listening to this and like, man, fly fishing sounds fun. Why don't you give them five tips for fly fishing for trout specific, specifically? And then I want you to give them two fly fishing tips for anybody who wants to fly fish for other things. Because you can fly fish for any species of fish out there. So let's start with trout fishing. What are your top five tips for trout fishing? All right. Start so off slow. My first tip would be reading the crawl and watching what's on top of the water. Elaborate what those things So mean. when you get your campsite or you find the river you're going to go you're going to fish i want you to go up and you find a nice raffle riffle and uh pick up a rock and look what's crawling on the bottom because if you're going to fish um wet beads or nymphs you're going to do really well if you can match what's on the bottom of that okay rock. so let's let's elaborate a little further when you say what's crawling on the bottom you mean insects yes there's gonna okay. be insect larvae right aka the crawl, which if you can match your nymph to look anything like one of those crawls, it's going to imitate one of those larvas getting dislodged by the water and getting pulled down into a slower moving pool where the trout's going to be sitting there ready to snap it up. Great. So trout are are, are sitting in these little eddies, these little slower moving patches, waiting for food to get blown over the top of yes. them. And you're saying, pull that rock and look what's on the bottom and study what's on the bottom and match your flies to what's on that bottom. Yes. And that's the crawl. Yes. Okay. What's your next tip? Watch the air. Watch what's flying right above the water, because bugs aren't very smart. <laughs> they end up in the water a lot, mm-hmm. and if a trout sees a bug in the water, he hits it. So okay. if you see a yellow jacket nest by the stream, find a yellow and black striped lure. If you see a moth, or a couple of moths that are feeding by the stream, find a nice moth streamer or a dry fly. Okay. There, if you can match what's in the air, you're almost always going to get a hit, even if you can't get a crawl. So step one, match what's on the crawl. Step two, match what's flying above it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Read your water. Before you ever cast your line, sit there and find, if you were trying to relax in that water, where you'd sit. Relax as in if you exert sit, the least, least amount of energy to sit still. Yes. Got it. So if you wanted to sit and not get blown down, find where that is. You know, you're going to see a log jam. And on the inside or outside of that log jam, there's going to be a slower um, vacuum of water. That slower vacuum of water is going to be an easier place to sit. You're not going to be burning calories trying to hold yourself steady. You're going to be hovering. Gotcha. So a trout's going to sit where it can hover and jump out and grab the things getting blown by and return to its cover because it's burning less calories and it's not exerting itself. Okay. So read the water. See where there is a nice riffle because if there's a riffle, there's a lot of larvae. Okay. So below that riffle, you're going to want to fly uh, to um, cast a nymph. Okay. 
if you're um, are you casting in front of it and letting it drift drift up over it depends on what you're at if you're on, if you're on an edge per se mm-hmm. um a lot of times with an edge there's a, a rock that it's coming over mm-hmm. um i prefer to land it right where that water's hitting because if you drift over you have a chance of hanging up i okay. hate hanging up so you so if you've got like a water in the wa- uh, rock in the water a large one displacing mm-hmm. water and the water's coming up over it and then it lands behind the rock miniature waterfall a little miniature waterfall right. so where that lands you want your fly to hit right there so that it doesn't get caught up where it's going a little circular motion gotcha. you see the water making mm-hmm. a roll like a cat like a wave you're going to want to land it right behind almost it. like a wake behind yes. the rock okay gotcha. um, but no, no no a wake is more where the water is coming around a rock and not making it over Ah. I'm talking about when you have a ledge, whether it be a tree uh-huh. or a rock that's large enough to dis, uh, to dam the river, essentially. Got it. And it's pouring over. Got it. If you have a riffle and you are able not to get your uh, nymph stuck, it's way better to uh, drift through that riffle and a rapid, riffle or rapid, and land where the fish is going to be. I'm guessing a riffle is a small rapid. A riffle is, imagine a gravel bed. Yeah. Yeah. Got so it. So it's like a gravel bed is a riffle where the water looks like um one of those potato chips is curvy. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So that's all there is to reading the water. Um, what, what's your next tip? Three casts per, uh, per lure. If you can see a trout and he's ignoring your lure and you cast it to him three times, clip it off the end of your uh, line. It's not doing you anything. It is making the fish know you're there, and trout are going to hit most times off an instinct. Okay. Most times you get a trout, you open it up, it's got a full belly. Okay. They are so very good hunters. Instinct, but off of reaction. Yeah, they're doing instinctual hits where they're, they, they're not thinking about it. They're just sitting out there. Got it. Slamming it because it's there. Why leave that for later without going, that doesn't quite look like a mayfly. I see. That doesn't look like a caddis. So if, <laughs> if they're not triggering that response, then it's not it's not the right lure. No, because I, I very rarely have cut open a trout in the Georgia streams and found them to have an empty stomach. Um, an empty stomach trout will hit anything. You can put a stick on a line, you'll catch it. But a full stomach trout is very picky. Um, so three cast per lure, if your trout is ignoring that or is chasing that but not quite hitting it, right? change your lure. Okay. Go similar, polar opposite. Sometimes a weird, um, obscure little fly will be your ticket that day. Something that doesn't look like it should work, has a neon yellow stripe on it, and looks like a pimp's outfit. Got it. Sometimes that hits. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Um, fish the edges of the ledges and the foam by the rock. So where there's edges, the water's typically slower, especially mm-hmm. on the inside of a curve. Um, if you can fish the uh, inside of edge of a curve, it's always deeper. It's always a lot slower moving. You always have a lot more um, concentration of fish. Not necessarily bigger, not necessarily more fish, but there's more in that hole than there is throughout the rest of the river. So there's a lot of food coming by on the outside. So if you can drift something around that outside curve just almost into the slow-moving water, you get a lot of hits there. Interesting. And if you're doing dry flies, a... Uh, caddisfly or a mayfly is going to want to land where it can spawn and it's not going to spawn very well in a rapid but in a slow moving area that's where it's going to hit the best got it okay so um and the foam by the rock every time you have a nice rapid it sends out a foam curl and these these tongues are what they're called these tongues are amazing indicators so you can see what your drift is doing so if you have a mayfly and your foam is passing your mayfly Mm -hmm. or it's going faster than the um foam, mm-hmm. your line is getting pulled in the wrong direction. You need to figure out what's going wrong. Whether you need to cast two feet up, whether you need to get your line up a little higher, your drift is not looking natural. Okay. So that can be an off-put, to it, especially with a native brook or a native Interesting. fish. Interesting. Okay. Read the water and watch your drift, which is watch your drift. <laughs> Reading the water was uh, repeated there, I suppose, but watch your drift is just watch how it's flying. If it's sinking a little too much, try adding a little more floatant. 
try drying your fly and recasting it, you have to watch and make sure it looks like anything else drifting in the water. Got it. So you want to use any marker you can to say that doesn't look right or that looks on point. So let's pivot to what are the two tips you'd give for someone who wants to maybe target brim and bass? All right, brim and bass, a woolly booger with a leader heading up, or a, a popper with a leader to a woolly booger. If you can't catch a brim or a bass on that, there's no brim and bass in the pond. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the go-to 1930s flies, and to this day, in my opinion, they're my go-to brim and bass uh Oh, yeah. Uh, our, our dad when he taught us I don't know if he taught you but he taught me and I think maybe I passed it down or uh, the, the, the latter was true I'm not sure but uh, he used to take a cane pole and on mm-hmm. the cane pole he'd put a Betts popper on the front mm-hmm. and he'd put a black and yellow willy booger on the back and just pop 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 and I, there have been numerous occasions that I've had somebody hit the brim the, the pop and lure and the willy booger at the same time and that's a hell of a ride. It's a, on a weird rod. fight. It you is. Can't, you, your line is going in two directions, and, and it feels like your pole's going to get split down the middle. Yeah. And it's it's an incredibly off-putting in a way feeling. It, it it's is. enjoyable, but it's the whole time it's happening, you have no idea what's happening. Yeah, it's, it's very weird. Sometimes they're pulling in unison. Other yes. times they're pulling against each other, and you're pulling against them. And it's, you're terrified that one knot you did. You know, yeah. you weren't really focusing when you tied it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, what's your tip number two for for brown and bass fishing? Get out of the sun. I've seen so many people who don't know what they're doing fishing going to the clear, open beach. They'll go to right where the um, swim hole at the lake is, and they're not paying any attention to it. They're just fishing right in the sun. And nobody likes looking in the sun. Fish are the same way. They're going to go to the shady spot where it's cool and there's not any bright light in their eyes. They don't have eyelids. They can't close their eyes. So they're going to go where they're sh- where it's shady and they can you know, feel some relief. So fish the areas where you can get relief. Is that a vacuum? Yes. If your eyes are comfortable, the fish's eyes are com- or the fish eyes are comfortable. Rock on. So, we need to go to dinner. Yes, we do. My, uh, Elena has made it quite clear it's time for dinner. You are starting a cool endeavor. I think it's incredibly awesome. You have converted your uh, Facebook page to... No, not my Facebook page. I don't have a Facebook. Instagram. I apologize. You've conver- converted your Instagram page to your uh, to your to to a new handle. It's okay. You leave it. It pops out all the time. Uh, a new handle... And uh, what's the name of your new Instagram page? It is uh, Five Flies and Guys. Five Flies and Guys. And that's because you only use Five Flies, correct? Yes, exactly why. (laughs) No, I have many more than Five Flies, but it sounds so damn good. It does. It does. (laughs) It's got a ring to it. And you're going to be featuring fly fishing? Uh, Fly fishing, possibly a little bit of drift for carp. Sure. Uh, I know a couple good carp rivers around me. Um Probably a little bit of bass. There's some largemouth sure. uh, lakes by me, and there's some smallmouth river, small rivers just north of me. So there will be a touch of all the cold water um, trout in the south, but or trout, fish in the south. But mainly, it'll be rainbow, browns, and brooks. That's awesome. What are you going to have films? What do you think about YouTube channel? I think for the uh, very beginning, it's definitely going to be photo-based and maybe some IGTV. Okay. But eventually, when I get the time and the ability, I'm going to move forward into some YouTube and some other revenues. Awesome. So you're going to be you're going to start uh, tying flies. Do you have any t- anticipation of selling them? Uh, I'm going to try and sell them. Yeah, I don't know how well they're going to sell, but uh, <laughs> you know, if they're tied by me, they'll be worth a lot. So. A lot of money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hand 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 uh, signature. Oh yeah, each one of them. Um, so it's at five flies and guys. No, there's underscores in there, aren't yeah, there? Yeah, they're all so underscored. 
It's at five underscore fly underscore. Gotcha. So y'all go and uh, subscribe to Instagram. I'm going to try and coerce him to have a Facebook page. Um, But he's got uh, some some neat gear that he got off of Amazon that functions really well. And I'm sure that'll be like little tidbits of like, you know, I like this because of that and that because I, you know, I don't like this. Um, but go, go subscribe and stay tuned. And I'm going to try and do some trips with Duncan in the near future. And, uh, we're going to document those and hopefully have him back on the podcast to kind of talk about his progression. And maybe if we end up going on some of these little destination type fishing locations, I've got a buddy who's invited me to do some fly fishing up in North Carolina. Uh, maybe I'll take Duncan and, uh, we'll have some stories to tell around a campfire. Also, if they have questions on fly fishing or they want to brag about a trout that's better than mine, tell them to send me a message. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to hear. So, there's one thing we left off this. What's that? Aren't you planning on guiding? Oh, yes. I am planning on, by next summer, having a guide somewhat business set up in North Georgia. I am working to get my guide license, and I'm working to get the experience needed to hook y'all up with some fish. But by next summer, I plan on having a guide, awesome. a guide uh, business open. So between mom's vacation rentals up there and your fly fishing, guiding, if people want to go up to North Georgia and experience some trout fishing up there, you're, we're going to have the total hookup. Oh, yeah. That's uh, awesome. And y'all need to stay tuned because I'm going to have Mama Chasing Tails on here very soon, a.k.a. Joni, my mom. And uh, we've kind of discussed doing some kind of little little giveaway so it's gonna be neat it's gonna be fun it's gonna be real fun um but guys this has kind of been a little bit of a bs and podcast it's always good to have my brother in town i love it it's the best part of any trip uh any summer vacation and this has been no exception only downside is duncan left his id at home so we couldn't get a license but that's okay it's all right we'll fish the next time we see each other so if you enjoyed this episode and you appreciated the conversation or previous conversations i encourage you to hit that subscribe button and if you have itunes leave a five-star review a four-star review i don't care but just leave me a review so that others can form an opinion and i can know what you like and didn't like follow us on instagram facebook i think i said oh and join our closing our closed group chasing tall tales on facebook and i hope i hope y'all encounter tight lines and loose women in the future you know i can't leave that i can't leave that you enjoy you encourage cursing man that would be hysterical. <laughs> all right y'all be good get outside <laughs>